mic on too, so turn it, you can turn it back on again. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the regular board meeting of the Shawnee Mission Board of Education, October 22nd. We'll begin by doing the Pledge of Allegiance, and we have students from Belinda here to help us out. If they'd come forward, please. Briarwood, sir. Briarwood. Briarwood. Are they in the hall? Please stand. Well done. Thank you. Mr. Lash, would you like to introduce our visitors? All right. Well, we have here, right here in front, going down, we have Evan um, Lerner, Lucy um, Fink, Ivy Cobb, Ken McPartland, uh, Grant Walker, Mackenzie Gilpin, Frankie Roth, Lucy Lee, and Gavin Winter, and we have their teacher, uh, Lisa Berbilia. So thank you guys for coming tonight. Thank you. Well done. Sir, sixth graders, I presume, Mr. Lash. <laughs> Pre-K. Pre awesome. Great job. Awesome. <laughs> Before we move on to the rest of our meeting, I'd like to ask a privilege here and that we take a moment of silence to recognize that we lost one of our students yesterday. Thank you for that. With that, we'll move on to um, the adoption of the agenda. I'll seek a motion to approve the agenda. So moved. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. With that, we move on to the minutes of meetings, the uh, special meeting that took place on October 8th. I'll seek a motion to approve. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. We move on to the next agenda item, which is the approval of the minutes from the regular meeting on October 8th. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. With that, we turn to Dr. Fulton for the superintendent's report. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Well, we have a number of uh, good news reports tonight. I want to start with uh, a report that our students continue to have strong performance on the ACT exams. Uh, the district class of 2018 outperformed their peers on both state and national scores. In 2018, Shawnee Mission Seniors earned a composite score of 23.8. The Kansas composite was 21.6, and the national composite was 20.8. And I'm going to stop there because you're going to get a report a little bit later on that has lots of detail on that. But congratulations to our students. Also, we had an opportunity to celebrate uh, a learnscape at Sunflower Elementary School. The Shawnee Mission School District, in partnership with Hollis and Miller Architects, recently dedicated a new outdoor learnscape classroom during a ribbon cutting ceremony at Sunflower. 
Hollis and Miller worked with students and staff to design this learning space, which includes features such as rock walls for lessons about water conservation, planter boxes for student gardening, and solar panels. And we want to thank Hollis and Miller, along with other uh, community partners, for gifting this to uh, the Shawnee Mission School District and to Sunflower Elementary. It wouldn't have happened without their generosity, so thank you for that. We also uh, recognize, recognize two recipients of the new Golden Eagle Award, which is an honor given to show appreciation for special education team members. And uh, the two recently named were Brandy Newry, a school psychologist at Trail Ridge and Indian Woods Middle Schools, who was a secondary honoree, and Tracy Livingston, speech and language pathologist at Shawnee Mission Early Childhood Education Center. And she served as a primary honoree. The award is named the Golden Eagle because it's symbolic of how its recipients inspire learners to soar. So congratulations to both of those recipients. The state of Kansas recently recognized 90 students from the Shawnee Mission School District with a seal of biliteracy. The honor recognizes students who have studied and attained proficiency in two or more languages by high school graduation. And this accomplishment recognizes student readiness for college and career and student engagement as global citizens. So we want to congratulate all 90 students who were recognized for their Bioliteracy Award. And then as you know, recently the community came together to celebrate the achievements of students and staff uh, in the Shawnee Mission School District at the 2018 Education Foundation Hall Breakfast. The theme, uh, the event was themed Destination Success, and it was a wonderful event. I can't say enough about how talented our students are. What a great opportunity to see their, them perform uh, for the community. Also, I want to make you aware that uh, we are starting some superintendent advisory uh, committees, advisory boards. I've had the uh, joy so far of meeting with a teacher group and also with a parent group. At the parent, I've reported on the, the teacher meeting, but the parent meeting that was recently held, the, we have PTA presidents who participate in that. Also, at the meeting, we talked about the uh, timing of the meetings. In some cases, we are going to alternate between meetings during the day and meeting at night so everybody can attend. And I know we also talked about perhaps each PTA president or vice president bringing another parent uh, with a specific purpose of trying to make sure that we have lots of diversity represented in the room. So as we're engaging in dialogue about uh, things that are happening in Shawnee Mission or how to make us even better, we have an opportunity to hear lots of voices. So it was a great meeting and we're excited to get those advisory boards happening. Again, uh, we'll continue to work on getting a student advisory board and a support staff advisory board going probably next semester. In November, school buildings district-wide are going to participate in the We Care, I Can food drive. The title of the drive was originally created to remind people in the district that the word I can mean one can of food and that each person can make a difference by helping others. Contributions to the food drive support the Johnson County Christmas Bureau, which helps local families in need. And now we come to a big part of today's uh, uh, meeting, and that is to recognize the Shawnee Mission All-Stars.
Uh, to help get us started this evening, I want to invite Dr. Darren Dennis, Director of Curriculum Instruction and Assessment, to introduce our first honoree this evening. Dr. Dennis. Good evening. It is an honor to uh, be here this evening to introduce the classified recipient of the All Means All Star, uh, All -Star Award. Maria McIntyre is the lead secretary in the ELL office, and she has a remarkable story. Uh, she moved uh, to the Shawnee Mission area, grew up in the country of Colombia in South America, moved here when she was 13 years old and enrolled in what is now Indian Woods Middle School and didn't know any English at all. And so she progressed in school, went to high school, but because her limited proficiency, uh, she was not able to graduate with her class. She ended up leaving school and staying with a family and actually for several years raised four of that family's children. She eventually went back to school and at the age of 27 earned her GED from Johnson County Community College. Uh, she has worked for Shawnee Mission School District for 23 years in food service initially, later as an ELL aide, and then for the last three years as the lead secretary in the ELL office. She is patient, she's professional, She's caring, and she does her very best to remove barriers for families and to serve kids uh, who are learning English for the first time. And I think she does that in part because she knows what it feels like. She's been in those shoes. I believe we have a video. <coughs> Maria is very much the face and voice that they see of the Shawnee Mission School District. So she's the first smile they see, the first voice they hear. Um, as a Spanish speaker, she's able to communicate with a lot of our families. Good afternoon, Anna. She's very passionate about the families. Um, she's outstanding in explaining the process to them and getting them comfortable. Um, but by far, it's her, it's her nature. She is just one of the most kind, caring, empathetic people that you will meet. Um, she definitely goes above and beyond. She does whatever's necessary to make sure that these families are taken care of. I think Maria builds her relationship by really listening and, and having empathy. She herself was an English language learner, and uh, so she knows what it feels like to be new in a situation, and I think that helps build a relationship. And we just had two parents that came in. They gave them all the direction that they needed. They arrived to the country about a week ago, and now the kids are already attending, studying. She um, brings just a genuine, good, caring attitude. She answers any questions they have about enrolling their children in school and um, provides connections to different community resources within the area. She's a great advocate for our families and our students. Always a smile on her face always willing to go above and beyond. She goes out of above her way to find someone that can provide the language that is needed. She provides comfort, instruction, direction, guidance, moral support. She's, she's truly an inspiration to watch. I'm honored to receive the All-Star Recognition Award. I'm grateful to Dr. Yoakum for this nomination. Also, Dr. Dennis, Kim Barney, Pam Palermo, Fabiola Yan, Bridget Turello, 
for all your work, kind words and support. I couldn't do this job without the help of our ELL families and coworkers, especially Essie Peterson. Thank you to everyone to make this possible. Thanks to my son, Andrew, and to my friends that are here tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Sorry, I had to transition. I forgot there for a second. All right, now I want to invite uh, Dr. John uh, Bartell, principal at Crestview Elementary School, and he's going to introduce our next All-Stars. Just this a little bit. Uh, first of all, Dr. Fulton, it's just Mr. Bartell. It's not doctor yet. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure's on. But thank you. Uh, uh, but uh, ladies and gentlemen of the board, and Dr. Fulton and members of the cabinet and those in attendance, it's my great pleasure to introduce to you uh, Michael Fanning, Kim Hess, and Ada Wallace, who are all members of our staff at Crestview Elementary. Uh, one of the greatest challenges that we have at our school is the summer slide where kids don't get exposure to classroom work, uh, reading, mathematics uh, throughout the summer. So as a school, we came up with a conclusion or a plan uh, with help from the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation and most notably uh, Isabel Helmuth's family to provide funding for us to start a program called the Isabel Helmuth Summer Acceleration Program, which is a three-week program for uh, two hours out of every morning that we invite students that uh, maybe have deficits in reading and math to come and participate. Um, those students are targeted, uh, those students are incoming first, second, and third graders. So uh, we started from scratch. We wanted to make sure that we were personal and direct and targeted with our instruction. We wanted to make sure it was fun. We also wanted to incorporate uh, experiments, assemblies. We had a field trip. We uh, had uh, representatives from um, Science City come and, uh, and that all came from the minds of these three individuals who led this program. Uh, one of my favorite things about uh, the three of them is uh, Michael is a fifth grade teacher, uh, Kim is a first grade teacher, and Ada is our social worker. They all brought strengths to the program different strengths, and they relied on each other's expertise to make the program the best it could be. Uh, I think the, the telling thing, and you'll see it from the video, is they understand the importance of the culture of, not only we always talk about the importance of representing our school, our families, and our community. And these three exemplify that and embody that every single day, and they build that school culture one child at a time. So for that, I'd like to go ahead and have the video be shown. Michael Fanning, Kim Hess, and Ada Wallace are being nominated for the Shawnee Mission All-Star Award uh, for their work this last summer in our pilot program for the Isabel Helmuth Summer Acceleration Program. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Um, three really, really great people, two amazing teachers and our social worker. And to have them in the classroom with those kiddos over the summer just gave them a really good head start to the school year this year. They're an example to all the students because they just want 
to establish a great relationship with kids. That's why it was such a great team because we had uh, Kim who's a primary teacher, Michael who's an intermediate teacher, and then Ada who's our social worker, really gelled as a team to really kind of encompass all the kids' needs. I have seen many students be successful after they have worked with these um, teachers because they're always thinking about what the student needs and what the student does. They are very good teachers and I'm very glad and they help kids a lot and, um, and I think they're glad too. They were really nice um, of helping us do math reading and projects that were really fun. They're just fun people to be around and really caring people to be around. Their, their attitudes are contagious. Congratulations to all three of you. Congratulations Ms. Hess, Mr. Fanning, and Ms. Wallace because you've been um, very good and uh, you've used a lot of effort on this and thank you. You're very deserving of this award. I wish you um, could get it every single year because you deserve it. You guys are amazing and I am honored to be your co-worker. Congratulations. Congratulations Michael, Kim and Ada for this award. You certainly deserve it. I thank you and most importantly our kids and our community thank you for all you've done for them. Thank you so much. I just want to say that it is a pleasure, children, and thank you for the opportunity to do that every single day. Just want to say thank you for the opportunity. It was such a joy to work with the kids, and what a wonderful team I had to work with. Uh, thank you for recognizing Crestview with this um, with this program. We saw every single morning, as uh, Mr. Bartell had mentioned, about culture and school culture, um, the enthusiasm of the kids coming to summer school. And the attendance was fantastic. They were there every day, smiling and excited. And that's one big thing I take away is that, uh, that enthusiasm of the kids. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Dr. Fulton. All right, with that, we'll move on to board reports and see if we have updates from our board members. Uh, I'll turn to Reverend Guy, uh, Shawnee Mission Area P uh, PTA. I do not have a report. Thank you. And how about uh, Mrs. Owsley with uh, the Education Foundation? Um, well, they had a very successful breakfast. I think everybody had a good time. Dr. Fulton gave a lovely speech. The kids outshone everyone else, so. <laughs> Well done, Education Foundation, and Kim's already left, so she didn't hear any of that. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, with that, uh, KSB? Yes, we have a board of directors meeting coming up here in a couple of weeks, so I can report back after we have that meeting in Topeka. Thank you. Dr. Sinclair, any legislative? Uh, legislative meets on that same day, November Saturday, November 3rd. I did receive a consolidated um, update of the legislative platform from KSB. The one piece that the, there was no consensus but lots of questions around the state that kind of challenged us mm -hmm. as well as the issue of kind of looking for consensus and finding none around um, the impact of changing the date of when school board members are elected, kind of that mid-season, and then subsequently the date of electing those board officers. So it's an issue that's being discussed with no clear resolution. So we're not alone in how we process that. Right. Thank you. 
Mrs. Goodburn, how about constituent services? We're going to skip over nominating for the rest of the year. How about that? Thank you, <laughs> since I have no further report. Um, yes, we did have our initial meeting, and it was a good discussion. Um, Reverend Guy was unable to attend, but um, we have another meeting scheduled, November 6th. We all have some assignments, and so I think I'll have more to report once we just started the initial discussion. So more to report later. Thank you. Mrs. Zila, uh, professional services. Yes, um, on October 4th, the RFP for our... Um, legal services went out. They are due back on the 1st of November. And we have a meeting tomorrow to kind of figure out what that process is going to be and how we're going to um, purview all of the, the proposals that come in. And very hopefully, tentatively and hopefully, we will be able to bring a recommendation to the board at our December meeting. Great. Thank you. And um, social media task force, Ms. Zowsley. So we had our first meeting today, um, and it was you and myself and Mary and David Smith, and we talked about communicating um, with patrons the work of the board um, through various social media platforms and how we might best go about doing that. Great. Thank you for that. With that, uh, we move on to um, our legislative platform. So here we are, October. Um, Soon November, next December, then January, the new legislature begins. There's a couple of key events between now and when the new legislature convenes, and that is that there are some elections taking place. Actually, for those that uh, live in Johnson County, have the ability and privilege to vote as of today at the advanced polling locations. Um, one of the activities that the board does every uh, fall in order to prepare for the legislative session is to provide a legislative platform. Um, so what I'm gonna do is read the legislative platform for this year with the invitation that uh, as board members continue to wanna have additional items addressed for next year's legislative platform, as well as for others that wanna let us know of ideas for legislative platform, we invite that. And with that, this is a reminder of our legislative platform for 2018. The Shawnee Mission School District will advocate for our students, teachers, and district. We recognize, however, that the school district boundaries are not the limits of our support. The Shawnee Mission School District joins other districts in supporting constitutionally funding, suitable funding of public education to serve our kids, our community, our economy, and our state. The platform items are as follows. Uh, we support rigorous academic standards to prepare students to meet or exceed the Rose standards in preparation for the success in a globally competitive workforce. Advocate for federal, state, and local funding that fulfills those standards through all various formula components to support student achievement. Support a stable school finance formula that covers the actual cost of providing every student the opportunity to be college and career ready that is financially stable, promotes efficiency, accountability, greater local funding flexibility, targets students at risk with supports for teachers and students, and ensures educational excellence for all students in Kansas. Support greater opportunity for communities to utilize operational and capital funds at the local level with equalization. Support special education services and funding at the required 92% of excess cost and mitigate the wide variances in the reimbursements. Support increased funding and increased access to behavioral health sciences. Expand funding for early learning programs to recognize and address academic and social needs as quickly as possible for all kids, particularly children at risk. Oppose unfunded mandates by state and local government. Oppose any current or future legislation that directs public funds to private education. Support and maintain nonpartisan school board elections. 
And the last item is oppose efforts to amend the Kansas Constitution to potentially reduce the state and local commitment to make, quote, suitable, unquote, provision for finance of education for all students in the state of Kansas. Again, we provide this. Uh, well, it's also on our website. And um, we will talk about uh, this at our next two meetings. And um, we solicit input as we move forward on that. And with that, I am going to go back to 2.03. <laughs> and um, yeah, earlier there have been references to committees, advisory boards, and the like. And so I uh, wanted to make sure that we brought this uh, to the attention of the board for consideration and discussion. Um, there have been references to the process that we are embarking on. We'll begin developing a strategic plan for the school district for in the coming year. And part of that is to involve and incorporate as many folks as possible in our community to provide input in the process of developing the strategic plan. One of the first steps has been uh, Dr. Fulton creating the advisory boards that he spoke of earlier. And uh, would you like to provide additional clarifications on the development of those boards so that we can give some clarity as to what those boards will look like and then as we eventually develop other groups for uh, patron participation, we have a better idea of how to identify the two groups. Absolutely. You know, the purpose of advisory boards is to meet periodically with the superintendent. So the two things can happen. One is you have a group of folks who are hearing about what's going on in the state and in the district and they can ask questions about that. But it's also an opportunity for me to just listen and hear about big picture concerns uh, or issues that the advisory board would like for me to hear. So it's an ongoing dialogue. We meet anywhere from three to four times a year. And uh, usually that group is somewhat narrowly defined because you can't have a conversation with a thousand people in the room very easily. Um, so they serve a very specific role, but that role is different and not as broad as what we'll eventually see in the strategic planning process. And we'll have more about that in the months to come. Okay, great. Any board members with questions or clarifications on this first group, which we're calling the superintendent advisory committees? All right, thank you for that clarification. And with that, we'll move on to uh, item 2.06, which is public comment. Or you and board? No. Board financial. We have a new agenda, so I'm still getting used to it. <laughs> yes, we have item 2.05, and that is board financial report. Board members receive this in advance. Uh, Dr. Fulton, any comments, updates? Just very briefly, uh, we're going to cover two things tonight. One is the monthly financial report, which you're used to, but also we thought it might be helpful to do just a little bit of financial literacy at every one of these uh, reports. So every month you're gonna get a kind of a, a financial literacy 101 uh, report that hopefully will help all of us understand how Kansas financing works and how that specifically impacts our work here in Shawnee Mission. Okay. Well, good evening. Um, the first thing I want to address, because there's two things on the, this particular agenda item, is the, the monthly financial report. Um, so I'll make some comments on that. This is as of September 30th. Um, the budget has been revised to include the compensation packages that were approved back in August. Um, and right now there is no concern, since we're only three months into the fiscal years, there's no concerns to report at this time. Okay. So as Dr. Fulton mentioned, the, the idea is for me to kind of give you budget 101 as we progress through the budget process. Um, October kind of kicks that off, 
And as you know, it ends in August with uh, the board approving the budget. Um, so this is a recap of the budget that was approved that we're in now, 2018-2019. We approved a budget of 386 million. We like to break, um, we've got about 33, 34 different funds and we like to group them into these five groups. Um, Outside of the operating funds, the, the, the four large groups are all restricted for those purposes. So the monies that are collected and go into those funds need to be spent for those intended purposes. So that leaves the operating funds to run our day-to-day -day operations. And that makes up about $235 million, or about 61% of our total budget. Um, so it it's, it's, it's does the, uh, the lion's share of our budget, and that covers all our salary and benefits and our uh, utilities and operations. Of the operating funds, about 72% of that comes from the state. That 28% local is the LOB that we talk, talk about, but that is also determined by the weighted formula. So we don't have a lot of uh, latitude in our LOB. Um, but it does make up about 28% of our funding. This pie chart illustrates how we spend our budget. Um, we spend about 83.3% or close to $195 million, $196 million on salary and benefits. We spend another um, about 12.8% on student transportation, utilities, and supplies and services. And these groups are important because they are impacted heavily based on inflationary pricing or contractual obligations that we have. A good example is student transportation. We have, we have a contract with DS Bus, but it's built for a 3% increase. So each year we go into a new year, we have an increase in our budget for student transportation. We'll have an increase for utilities because we don't control the utility rates that KCPNL water one and et cetera, place on our budget. So those are outside uh, variables that we don't control, but it does add to our budget. And that competes against all our resources and what we want to do um, with salary and benefits for each year. And then this last slide I'm going to do is, it kind of kicks off the, the budget process for us. Um, again, like I said, we kick off in October and finish in October, and one of the first things that determines our funding is September 20th is the official enrollment count. You've heard that terminology in the past. Um, that's where the districts all collect their F head count, their FTE, all their additional weightings, and we submit it via the superintendent organization report or the SO66, it's commonly referred to. All districts do it across the state. Um, that was due October 10th. And so we're in the process now. We submitted those. We will be audited by uh, KSDE coming up here at the last week of October. And that finalizes our weighted FTE. And that's what the budget is built on is the weighted FTE. Um, that determines our general fund authority and our LOB authority. Um, so you can tell by this slide that the blue, um, the blue bar represents the headcount, which is slightly higher than the FTE. Um, we get funded on FTE. We do not get funded on headcount. And this, the difference is FTE is you get 1.0 for a full-time student, but a pre-K kiddo would only get 0.5, half-time. And that's according to state statutes. Um, if you're a part-time kid, so if you're not going to school 
full-time, you'll get 0 0.8, 0 0.7, whatever you're attending in minutes. So that's the difference between headcount and FTE. And you can see where um, headcount has slightly increased, and that's coming in our pre-K program. We keep adding kids in our pre-K program, but if we're lucky to get funding for those, we only get it at 0.5. So that's why the FTE lags your headcount and that's important because the FTE, again, is what we get funded on. Um, so that kind of gives you where we're at on headcount. Again, we're slightly up because of pre-K, and then our um, estimated FTE is slightly down. And again, these are all estimates. We've got to be audited, and then it's finalized. Not, it's not even finalized all the way until uh, the first week of June. So... This is, it's, again, it's a budget, and it's, and it's a, move, a lot of moving pieces. So our funding, um, next, uh, well, I guess for November's meeting, when I come back, I will have those weighted FTEs for you because we'll go through our audit. Um, they'll be pretty much in stone. They'll change a little bit, but I'll be, able to, I'll be able to give you the financial impact the weighted FTEs will have on our budget for the current year and what we would start with for 1920. And that concludes that. Do anybody have any questions? Questions for Mr. Knapp? Yes, Dr. Sinclair. I'd just like to say thank you for this new format of talking and sharing information about the budget. Okay. I really appreciate it. Very good. You're welcome. Anyone else? Thank you, Mr. Knapp. We appreciate it. Thank you. Double-checking the agenda. I am now <laughs> at uh, 2.06, and it's our time for public comment. I'll read through a quick reminder and invite folks forward who have come to uh, speak with us this evening in public comment. Public comment. A time for public comment occurs at regularly scheduled Board of Education meetings to provide an opportunity for individuals to address the board regarding dist school district issues. Patrons are encouraged to electronically submit their requests to speak at public comments by 3.30 p.m. on the Friday before regularly scheduled board Monday board meeting. Early submission of these allows the district to research and address patron concerns before the meeting. The president may impose a time limit of three minutes for each speaker, which we will do tonight. There are a few reminders that will help speakers to have a constructive and positive experience when presenting comments to the board. When making your comment remarks, please proceed to the podium when your name is called and share your name, city residence, what school your children attend, if applicable, and the name of any group or organization that you may be representing. Uh, again, we'll limit the comments to three minutes tonight. In consideration of everyone's time, please select a group spokesperson if you represent similar interests. Uh, written comments or materials that you'd like to present, uh, they should be given to the board clerk, Mrs. Wintering, and she will disseminate them out to the board members. Uh, please make all your comments uh, while remaining behind the podium. A reminder, any complaints regarding students or staff should first be addressed to administration in accordance with board policy letters KN under the complaints area. If that procedure has been followed in completion, the board will then consider whether to hear such complaints in executive session in order to protect the privacy interests of the students and or the staff's, the staff that may be involved. A reminder that the school board is charged with the creation and oversight of district policy. Additionally, the school board also serves as the appeals board after all steps of the complaint process has been followed. If comments pertain to an item on the meeting's agenda, the board president may ask the superintendent or his or her designee to address those comments at that time or when the term of, is up for discussion on the board agenda. Generally, responses from board members during public comment will be limited to clarifying questions. And with that, I'll invite uh, Laura Robeson to come forward. Good evening. 
Hi, good evening. My name is Laura Robeson, and I live in Prairie Village, Kansas, and my son Danny goes to Tomahawk Elementary. And um, before I get started, I would first uh, be remiss to not recognize what a great job Tomahawk is doing for Danny. Um, we could not be more pleased with the services, Danny. Um, it, you can probably hear him. He's over there. <laughs> he, um, Danny um, is on an IEP, receives special education services, and our team has worked marvelously together. Um, and it's just been a better experience than we could have hoped for. Um, but what brings me here tonight is to thank the district for the installation of the accessible playground at Tomahawk and I know at other schools around the district. Um, and if you're not familiar with what an accessible playground is, it's that it's a playground that all students can access regardless of their mobility. So Danny can get right up on the playground with all of the other kids. He can get around the playground with all of the other kids. Um, and that's new this year at Tomahawk. When he started in kindergarten, we did our best <laughs> to make it work for him. And, but, you know, with the wood chips and they tried to clear a path, you know, it was, it was really difficult for him. And, and kids had to come up to him. Um, instead of him being able to get to where all the kids are. So it has been an amazing thing for Danny, um, and it sends such a strong message of inclusion, not just for him to say, you know, you're just like everybody else, but also for all of the other students um, that just see Danny like any other kiddo. Um, his little buddy is here also, um, Milo, who's one of his good friends. So I would just like to thank the district for that, and. Um, that I hope that we can see that in the future as we move forward, that it's something that we can provide to all of the students. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Yeah. Next up, we have Claire Teachin. Hello. Hello, I'm Claire Teachin. I'm from Prairie Village, Kansas, and I currently go to Horizons. So first of all, I would like to thank you all for letting me speak. And right off the bat, I have a question, but I know you won't answer it, so. Um, do you guys currently know that you guys are being investigated by the Department of Justice for the following? Sexual harassment, sexual allegations, and proof of uh, documentation. We all know here today that the schools don't do a good job of protecting our kids and protecting me currently, so that needs to change because I lost a friend recently to, to suicide and that definitely needs to change. 8.4% of the kids have admitted to me in the last 12 months that they have committed suicide and not succeeded, thankfully. I've told, I've been told many, many times by you guys all, all of my teachers, all of my classmates, that I'm just being a special needs kid and I have no excuse for bringing me up today and talking about this, but I do. I've been told many times, let's move on, let's move past this, kids will be kids. I've tried to commit suicide many times and thankfully I've not succeeded. By the lack of disregard of your policies, are outrageous. These are policies that should be followed by children and they're not followed by adults. Thank you. Thank you. Next up we have Charles Teachin. Welcome. Welcome. 
Thank you. Um, I'm Charles Teachin. I reside in Prairie Village, and uh, I represent my daughter. And uh, so, uh, again, thank you for allowing me to address you. I, um, you know, many students come to the Shawnee Mission School District with special needs, learning disabilities, mental health issues, abuse, neglect, broken homes, social anxiety, or a style of learning that just doesn't fit with the standard curriculum. Often those children have difficulty speaking up for themselves, and as a result, they face harassment, abuse, and discrimination. Children are promised and laws are in place to guarantee an education free from all forms of discrimination, harassment, sexual harassment, and sexual abuse. I get the schools are overwhelmed, understaffed, and underfunded, but I look around this place and I think the problem is how those funds are allocated and spent. When my daughter was attacked, beaten unconscious, diagnosed with severe concussion down the hall from the principal's office on camera, that incident alone caused the principal to shut most of his activities down for two days. According to the Shawnee Mission School District website, you have one counselor per approximately 400 students on average. 48 school-aged children attempt suicide daily in the state of Kansas alone. Second leading cause of death in teens age 15 to 24, up 70% from year 2006. I understand it would be easier if the only objective was to educate our children, but in today's schools, that's just not the case anymore. Schools become the culture dish of discrimination, harassment, sexual harassment, suicide, not to mention poor choices like drugs, poor grades, and an average annual Shawnee Mission School dropout rate of approximately 12% because the schools lack the foresight and preventative measures required to head off this problem. Now it's such a huge problem and now you're overwhelmed and understaffed. I am shocked to see that all the education professionals that didn't see this coming, I think we have to shift our priorities and address this generation and give them the support they need. I've interviewed many teachers in the Shawnee Mission School District and I value their information, and I think the school board should too. All were afraid to step forward in fear of being terminated. However, the tides have to be turned towards more transparency, required documentation, zero tolerance, and better enforcement of existing policies and procedures regarding discrimination, sexual harassment, and sexual assault, among the pro providing the necessary counseling resources students really need. The Shawnee Mission has now caught the attention of the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. And our family and our E3 Scholarship Fund are supporting the DOJ in their efforts to bring families forth with stories of, uh, you know, I would say mishandling by the Shawnee Mission School District. We encourage all victims to stand, stand up and come forward and together try to give the school district the feedback they need to make the changes. I feel that if children are empowered and could see the potential for change by forcing the school to provide resources and staff to handle these allegations, this could be a good place to start. And Mr. Teachin, I'll ask you to wrap up. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Appreciate your coming forward tonight. I'll, I'll turn to Dr. Fulton to see if he has any follow-up uh, comments to any of the comments that are made this evening. Sure. Just, just very briefly, Claire, Mr. Teachin, thank you for coming forward and sharing. And I'll be happy to follow up with you. Um, I do want to say we, we certainly take uh, any involvement by state or federal government uh, seriously. And 
cooperate with any investigation that happens. We also take our own school board policy seriously. And obviously, it's important for all of us to do the very best we can to make sure all children are both physically and social, emotionally safe in schools. So I'll be happy to follow up with you if that would be something you would desire. Thank you for that. And we'll move on to area three. And uh, this is our program evaluation. And the first one is uh, program evaluation for health services. Thank you, Mr. Stratton, Dr. Fulton, members of the Board of Education. I'd like to introduce to you Shelby Rebeck, uh, who is our Director of Health Services, who will present highlights of the health services program evaluation that was completed recently. The information is informative, it's enlightening, and will conclude with a recommendation. So please don't hesitate to ask Shelby questions after the presentation. And no, later on in the agenda, we'll be asking you to consider an agreement with Johnson County. Shelby? Thank you, Dr. Atha. Thank you, Dr. Fulton and board members for allowing me the opportunity to share with you the great things going on with health services. I won't read to you our mission statement, but I do want to point out a couple of things. First, the words professional nursing care. All of our nurses are registered nurses licensed by the state of Kansas. We follow the same Kansas Nurse Practice Act that we have to adhere to when we work in hospitals, home health, and clinics. Secondly, all the rest of those words mean we are highly regulated by legal standards of care and practice guidelines. Our work is detailed, complex, and typically involves many people. Our nurses work tirelessly toward meeting their primary responsibility of advocating for student safety and health. Our team consists of 49 registered nurses and 13 nurse aides. Our health services team managed care for 295,066 visits to the health room last year. I'll let that sink in a minute. <laughs> this graph would be your typical bell curve, except we have weeks off in November, December, January, and March. Not only can our electronic medical record in Skyward track office visit numbers, it allows us to document the time a student arrives in the nurse's office, the reason they're there, the treatment, and the time they leave the office. It allows us to enter health conditions, emergency health information, healthcare plans, vaccination status, and more. As this is the first program evaluation I've done for you, it will be interesting to trend this data and build upon it over time. Some of what we do. I won't read this slide to you either, but I will mention that these are the services and programs with numbers and data that I can track. What is most important, however, are those things I can't quantify for you. I can't quantify the amount of comfort it brings to a family moving into our district from California who is so comforted to know that we have a registered nurse in every building for their child with severe medical needs. I can't quantify the amount of gratitude expressed from a mom of a kindergarten student with diabetes coming to school for the first time when she calls me a few weeks into the school year to say thank you. Thank you for hiring the amazing nurse who is caring for my baby. That nurse is doing a great job. I can't quantify the sense of relief 
seen on families' faces when they realize they are finally going to get the medical, dental, or behavioral health care that they've needed at our Marion Park Health Clinic, even though they're uninsured. And while I can't quantify these things for you, they are the most important work we do. And speaking of important work, thanks to the support of Kansas laws, school nurses are able to provide a whole host of life-saving measures. In 1998, Kansas statutes allowed for the first time schools to possess and use automatic external defibrillators. We now have 95 AEDs on our campuses. We can use it any time to save a life. Kansas also enacted Good Samaritan laws to protect anyone who in good faith attempts to perform CPR. Last school year, we certified 346 Shawnee Mission School District staff members so that they too can save a life. In 2008, Kansas passed legislation allowing schools to stock epinephrine for students with undiagnosed anaphylaxis. Since that time, we have EpiPens in every single one of our school buildings. These life-saving tools are part of our everyday lives, not only in Shawnee Mission schools, but all across the county. While eyebrows may have been raised when these devices were first introduced as being allowed in schools, they have come to be expected. And now, in July of 2017, Kansas passed a law allowing school nurses to possess, store, and administer an emergency opioid antagonist with state-defined training. Last year, Johnson County Emergency Services administered 273 doses of naloxone, which in its nasal spray form is known as Narcan. Shawnee Mission School District, Johnson County EMS, and the Johnson County Department of Health and Environment worked together to develop a protocol for Narcan possession, storage, training, and administration. All schools in the county have the option to participate in this protocol. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when we will need this life-saving medication. Later tonight, you'll have the opportunity to approve the Stock Narcan Agreement between Johnson County EMS and Shawnee Mission School District. I'll be here at that time to address any questions you may have, and I'll take questions now. Thank you. Uh, questions from board members? I just have to compliment yes. you on the long form of the, the report that you provided to us. In my years on the board, it was just the most fabulous report I, I've, I've seen. And so it was such detailed information and just jaw-dropping like that 295, whatever the exact amount was, of, of the office visits that you guys have seen or nurses' visits. So um, anyway, it was just a fabulous report. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, I appreciate the acknowledgement, too, of those um, indicators that are really hard to capture and to measure because those are kind of important, too, to keep in mind as we're trying to understand the impact of programs. And so to balance those with those that are readily, data that's readily captured with what other pieces are we missing. So I appreciate you um, sharing those as well. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity to look at trend data. It's very informative. The board members. Thank you very much. We look forward to uh, discussing the proposed document later in the meeting. Thank you. That will move on to item 3.02, which is the uh, ACT update. I believe Dr. Hubbard is going to cue us up here. Just one quick comment. You know, the, the uh, 
whether they're program evaluations or tonight's ACT report, this is part of our going effort to help the board uh, stay uh, closely in touch with what's happening in the district. And all of this information, including the ACT report, contributes to the work we'll be doing in the future on our strategic plan. Really begin to think about what are those important outcomes that matter to children, but also give us an indication of how we're doing across the board with uh, students in their learning. And this is just one indicator. Thanks, Dr. Fulton. Um, thank you all for the opportunity to present the ACT update for you tonight. It's really sort of hot off the press. It was embargoed until late last week, and so we're excited to share that. Um, our team will be sharing the academic program evaluation in the next, probably, I think we're about six weeks out here, but um, the academic program evaluation, as you can imagine, is extremely large and has a very large set of data associated with it. So one thing that we're going to start doing is looking at one set of data at each board meeting so we can kind of chunk that out and look at it. So tonight we're going to start with the ACT. So we're excited about that. Um, and before we get started, I just want to share, um, as you probably are all well aware, but I just want to reiterate the, um, in the last finance budget passed, it allowed for all juniors to take the ACT or the ACT work keys assessment. So uh, we are queuing that up right now to be given in February. And again, all juniors can take the ACT or the work keys. While most of us are probably very familiar with the ACT, work keys is kind of a new territory for us. But the work keys assessment really looks at um, skills kids need to enter the workforce and, and their success on those skills. So kids will be given the choice of which to take. Um, we'll probably coach some kids one direction or the other, depending on what their goals in life are, um, what their uh, individual plans of study are telling us, and um, but really they, they have that choice, and so we're really excited about that opportunity coming up in February for our kids. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Grumman. I, when I checked this morning, we had approximately 600 students already signed up for the ACT for February, and about 200 students signed up for the for the work keys. So, um, so we're off to a good start on just the voluntary sign-up piece. Uh, the ACT, another... Um, uh, fact about ACT in, 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 the, in, this, in the sense of trying to make the test more accessible, normally the ACT results come out in um, August, and just recently ACT added a new testing date in July, a uh, new opportunity for students who maybe are, are participating in other activities and so on. And so these, um, the, the cohort uh, scores uh, didn't become available until, until October, and I assume that October will be the future uh, date for this rollout. Um, one of my favorite parts about today is I'm able to uh, uh, offer some, some good news uh, this, uh, this year. Uh, the ACT composite average increased by two-tenths of a point, and uh, we are consistently uh, scoring above Kansas and the nation. We have um, ACT results are reported by cohorts, so say uh, students from the class of 2018 may have taken the ACT as a junior or a senior um, and it's their last score that actually gets counted in the report. Uh, so that's, that's how that system works. Um, now, some of the, one of the questions that, that uh, we, we often discuss is how, how, how do students improve ACT scores? And one of those huge factors is in course consumption. Um, the ACT has, a, has a, what they refer to as a core 
a set of courses that all students should take to be successful and be ready for college. And so when you see the words core or more, those are students who have reported that they are taking four years of English and three or more years of math, science, and social studies. And, and you can see even from these results, whether it's the composite score, English, math, reading, or science, that uh, <coughs> students who complete those, those core set of courses um, perform better on the assessment. Um, and I did look up about 85% of our students that participate in the ACT are in that core or more category. Uh, so there's still, still some work to do, but we do know that, that, that course consumption is a, is a huge factor in, in, that, in that performance. Um, another way to look at ACT scores is, is, is to look at the number of students who um, are at or above what ACT refers to as a college readiness benchmark score. Um, ACT um, uh, has, has studied the relationship between different subject scores and then success in those introductory level um, uh, college courses. So, for example, um, you know, English composition in, in, uh, for the English test and then uh, college social sciences for reading and so on. You can see the benchmark scores at the bottom of the, of the graph. And this uh, graph shows the relationship between the percent of Shawnee Mission students meeting that benchmark uh, compared to uh, students who take the ACT across the state of Kansas. And that, as you can see, um, Shawnee Mission students in general are, are meeting those um, college readiness benchmark levels at a higher rate than, than students in general across the state of Kansas. Um, there is still room for growth in there, but, but our, our students are successful you know, along that along that path. Um, some other discussion points that we talk about when we're looking at ACT scores, uh, uh, somewhere around uh, about 72% of our graduates um, have an ACT score when they graduate from high school. Um, what this, these two pie graphs show is that um, when we break the ACT population down by race and ethnicity and we compare that to the race ethnicity of our graduates, um, those, it, the, the two populations are remarkably similar. Um, uh, in, in, in terms of the participation. So, so it, in, in the um, race ethnicity breakdown, um, they're equitable representative populations. Um, in fact, I was, I was surprised to see that those, you know, for example, the percent of students that uh, identify as white are they're only a tenth of a point difference, which is, a, which is, which is pretty remarkable. Um, just a, a point on this piece of data, when students register for the ACT, they self-report. Um, their characteristics, whereas when we're looking at the whole student population, that's, uh, that's based out of data from Skyward, which generally is the, the parent uh, reporting on that data. So you can get some variance there as well. But um, the ACT participation or the ACT population is, is very representative of the, of, the, of the entire class. If we look at student performance by, um, by those same subgroups, uh, and then this is... Um, Average score of Shawnee Mission students by race, racial, or ethnic categories compared to the nation, and among each of those categories, our students outperform um, students in those same groups across the nation. Um, but as you can see, we also have some gaps that that we we would we would like to see closed as well. So um, there's 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 some good news and there's some challenges in this data. And finally, uh, if we look at the long-term trend of ACT average composite scores since 2000. So we have 19 years worth of data, and I, I bet I could find data that goes back further, but I start running out of room in the graph as well. But, but you know, our students 
have been successful, you know, 2,000 and prior, and they continue to be um, over the course of time. And, and, and the, the, uh, these averages are remarkably uh, stable. Um, so I open for questions on, the, on this data. Questions for Dr. Grumman? Yes, Ms. Zila, there you Yes. Um, you said the, the, the data that you're showing here is like their last reported score. Is that right up to the right. July test? That so if a offered? student takes the assessment three times, it's not their highest that falls into this average. It is their, it is their most recent that it gets counted. But is that, the, is that the score that goes on to universities or whatever they send that? Students actually get the choice as to which score. Um, and it, it depends on the university. Some, some colleges will what, do what they call power score, um, where you can take the highest of each subject. I'd heard that. That so, was my next question. Yeah, yes. you, so you have to know what, what your colleges will do with those scores. Um, but students do have control over um, what scores get reported and, 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 and what scores do not. Um, same thing will apply with the February testing. Um, <coughs> students can choose whether or not to report that score to their colleges that they're applying to. Okay. Great, thank you. Mrs. Osley. On the, on the breakdown, um, it looked like we, had, we were tracking for the different um, races and ethnicities, but do we track that same data on economics? So can we see who's participating based on you know, median income information? Do we have that? I, I, can, I have to pull it out of the raw data file, and one of the challenges with the data file they received, there's no student IDs. So it's, it can be done. Um, but we don't have it for this report. Okay, thanks. Other questions? Great, okay. thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very helpful and very interesting. Uh, with that, we'll move on to uh, item four, which is our consent agenda. And uh, before I seek a motion to approve the consent agenda, would anyone like to remove anything from the consent? Being none, I'll seek a motion to approve. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approving the consent agenda as presented, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. That moves us on to uh, area five, which is our action items. The first one is 5.01, and it's the approval of the agreement uh, that was previously mentioned in the presentation on health. Dr. Atham. Good <coughs> Uh, what you have before you is an interlocal agreement between Johnson County and the a proposed agreement between Johnson County and the Shawnee Mission School District. Um, as Shelby mentioned in her report, we in, in the tools that we have available to us now as far as life-saving measurements uh, include but are not limited to the EpiPen, uh, the AED, uh, and if you approve this this evening, uh, this will give us another tool for to help us in, in possibly saving a life in the future. And as Shelby said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when we put this into use. Um, if the board sees fit to approve this this evening, uh, then it will go before the Johnson County Commissioners for their consideration. Um, I'm very pleased to announce to you we, we have partnerships with Johnson County, particularly Johnson County Mental Health, and uh, they were very um, vital to us uh, in, in a, uh, last year with uh, the two suicides that we had 
uh, at uh, Shawnee Mission Northwest. They, they lend a lot of support in a time of crisis. So we look forward to uh, uh, adding to our partnership with them uh, if you see fit to approve this evening. But in the meantime, we're ready to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you. Questions from board members about the agreement? Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, I'm grateful for this opportunity to vote on this. Um, can you speak just a minute or two, just a little bit about the training piece that's required for that, just to give us a little bit better sense of that? The state of Kansas defines every aspect of that training, and so Dr. Ryan Jacobson with Johnson County EMS and myself uh, really worked collaboratively to define what that should look like for school systems. Um, we have to include all of those aspects that the state defines. There's not a lot of wiggle room. Um, so it was pretty straightforward. Okay. Thank you. And if, and if approved this evening, um, there will be a physician from Johnson County that will be overseeing this program with our nurses free of charge. It's no cost to the district. Mrs. Owsley. And I just wanted to clarify um, so that people don't think that we're anticipating something awful happening, but prepared in, in the event that something were to happen, that this would be available for if there was someone visiting the building, an adult that had an issue, that the nurse could jump in and, and help that adult. Like if there was a parent dropping off a child and that parent had an issue, the nurse could step in and address that. Or if there was someone at an event in the evening who had an issue, the nurse could step in and address that. It's not just... We're not anticipating this just for children in a building, but for anyone who comes into the building who might have an issue so that we're prepared for that. Mrs. Owsley, you're absolutely correct. No different than the other life-saving measures that we have available. The AED, the EpiPen, could be used to a patron that's visiting the district, uh, could be used for a community member. Obviously, our students, our teachers, our custodians, mm -hmm. whomever it may be, it's available to all. Thank you. Thanks. Anyone else? Thank you for the information. I'll turn to the board for a motion to approve. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of the approval of the agreement, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Thank you for your work on that. Thank you. And I said, as I said earlier, this now will go to the Johnson County Board of Commissioners for their consideration. Great. Thank you. We'll move on to item 5.02, and this is approval of a revised board policy, um, a couple of items to update to come in compliance with today's laws. Turn to Dr. Fulton for clarification. Right, and uh, I'll have Dr. Southwick add anything to that that he would like. Yeah, this is a little bit of a catch-up. Um, this year, as a part of our negotiation, as we work with staff members, we both sides really believe that we weren't... Um, our existing policy didn't really cover and provide an opportunity for both parents uh, to have a chance for fam the Family Medical Leave Act. Uh, we did work through the process of negotiation and agreed that we would work with both parents in the case of a natural born child or an adopted child. Um, as it's outlined in the policy, what we failed to do, and although we've been acting on this based upon the PNA, we failed to get that policy back in front of you so it could be changed. I can assure you that um, HR has worked to be in line with the PNA, and we would graciously ask, one, for forgiveness for the time, but also uh, 
your consent to approve the policy. Great. Questions on that? I would move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. I have to say it was a two motions, one to accept the apology and one to... Uh, <laughs> we'll thank thank you very much. We'll put them together. It is a motion to approve the new language for the, um, the policy to be in compliance with the P&A agreement. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That's 7-0. Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, move on to fi item 5.03, and that's the approval of uh, architectural and engineering needs and assessment. Dr. Fulton. This is an important piece as we continue to get ready to engage in strategic planning. I have Dr. Southwick add anything to that that he would like. Yeah, first of all, thank you. Um, the amount of money involved in this particular motion is not something that we would normally bring to the board. It's uh, $20,000 and it's in line with what administration can approve. But we think it's very important to talk to the board and also plant the seed in the community what this particular motion is about. As you know, there were uh, previous assessments on buildings as we move into the 2015 uh, bond issue and a lot of work that's been done since that period of time. Uh, we, uh, and, I, and I say we, primarily uh, Mr. Robinson and his, his department, began about uh, 14 months ago looking at assessments of other buildings that we had not touched. And the majority of those uh, were all across the district, but specifically looking at uh, the next round of elementary schools that we might look for improvement, whether that be to rebuild or not. Um, so we've been doing that, and he's been compiling a list. Tonight, what we're asking you to do is for us to take the same kind of assessment to our secondary buildings. And we will work with um, our two architects that we work uh, the majority of the time with, Hollis and Miller, who you recognize tonight, and also ACI, Bolin. And they will use an, a tool, a consistent tool, to look at our five middle schools and our five high schools, and then bring back a report on the condition of the buildings, not only the, the facility itself, but whether it allows us to meet the educational mission or not. The importance of this is twofold. We will have that data for strategic planning, which as we roll into the spring and on into the summer, uh, looking at that data in, in committees with our community to talk about the needs of our secondary building as well as the other list that Mr. Robinson has compiled. Um, in addition to that, we believe that um, coming out of that committee, we could be asking the board in, uh, when I say the near future, fall of, of, the, of 19 or early in 20, to look at a bond issue to meet these needs. We work with our finance people. We know that we will have a dollar amount to address issues that would be a no tax increase. And, uh, but tonight what we're doing, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about it, was just to plant the seed that we're gonna do the work that it takes to work through strategic planning, work with our communities, and really believe that we'll be asking you to consider a ballot issue um, in the upcoming future. Thank you. Mrs. Mack? And just a quick question. Um, these are all secondary um, schools. I know that Horizons is a Excuse program. me. I'm going to say, could you turn your mic? Uh -huh. um, sorry. Go ahead. Um, it, I recognize that Horizons is a program, not a high school, but will that building also be assessed? It's not listed. 
It's not listed um, because of the, the size of the building, um, but I can assure you that we'll work with Mr. Robinson. And when we bring this report forward, we will have looked at all of our facilities okay. district-wide. Thank you. Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, the, I'm not sh sure um, you might have the answer to the question, but do you, can you speak a little bit to how the tool captures the perspective of the users in those facilities? Do you have that? Or is that something um, staff or students? I, I can speak a little bit to that. Um, there are interview processes and survey processes, and this is uh, the survey that's used. Uh, there used to be an older organization called the Council of Educational Facilities um, International. Um, that has been converted now to uh, a company, it's an organization, A4LE. It's um, Associations for Learning Environments. Um, so it's a standard protocol and it does look at not only the facility structures, but it does gather information related to the end users. So. Okay, thank you. Yep. Just a quick follow-up, are custodians part of that process? They know the building pretty well. So. Yeah, they do. Um, I don't have the answer. Okay, that. thank you, sorry. Other questions? I don't, I don't want to speculate. Great, seeing none, I'll entertain a motion to approve the item. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Thank you. With that, we'll move on to item six, which is board comments for this evening. Any board members have anything to add? Yes, Reverend Guy. Um, I had to call in long distance for the last uh, board meeting, but um, we voted unanimously to change our lunch policy. And I spoke with, uh, I've spoken with several people, but particularly uh, someone who works in one of our cafeterias, and she said, I'm so excited and I can't wait for November 1st when the new policy rolls out. And she said, I can't tell you how many teachers have purchased lunches for children, how many uh, school principals have purchased lunches. She said, how many lunches I personally have purchased for children in our schools, other parents, PTAs. Um, and I found out that when a teacher purchases a lunch for a child, they're charged the full adult price for that lunch. They can't pay the child price. Um, so I just want to say thank you to all of these people who have kind of been propping up um, our lunch program that I think desperately needed this policy change. And I want to say thank you to the teachers who don't have extra spending money to buy lunches for their kids, but they do it because they care, and the principals care, and the PTA members care, and uh, the cafeteria workers care, and I just want to say thank you to all those people who have been paying out of their own pockets for children to have the lunches that they need, and I hope going forward that's not going to be necessary anymore, and that we as a district are going to figure out how to do this in a way that's still um, fiscally responsible for us. All right. Thank you, Reverend Guy. Other board members with comments? Yes, Dr. Sinclair, and then go ahead. Um, I would uh, just like to um, circle back and thank the folks who are um, pulling together the data on the uh, student's educational progress. I appreciate 
um, and I'm looking forward to those um, board reports and learning how that information is, is tying back into the strategic plan as that evolves and driving that piece. And I recognize that you all are working with existing data sets, so sometimes we're going to have questions that we might not have the data today to answer. But as we kind of formulate our questions, I hope we have the opportunity to kind of build those data sets to help answer our questions and improve our, continually improve our learning opportunities for students. So thank you. Mrs. Housley. You can go vote. <laughs> <laughs> it's so exciting. You can go vote in person. That's all, that's all I had to say. Thank okay. you. Thank you for the chance. <laughs> Great. Anyone else? Yes, yes. Mrs. Hila. And, and I know Dr. Fulton mentioned this in his report there, but to be at the LearnScape ribbon cutting was so exciting, and those kids were so excited to be a part of the formulation of that whole outdoor space for them to use in vastly, you know, various ways so they were excited the little gal that you saw in the picture that with the scissor doing the ribbon cutting was yeah. just about coming unglued she was so excited to be that and i asked her what grade she was in she goes i'm in fourth grade she had two more years she was so excited to be able to use that so um thank you for everybody that helped that come about joan levins i see you in the back there thank you also for your great efforts in getting that um, at Sunflower Elementary School. Um, they will enjoy it for many, many years to come. Thank you. Other board members? Before we move on to our next uh, agenda item, I want to recognize any students who stuck it out with us that might be here for a government class or civics class. If you are, raise your hand. We want to say welcome and thank you for being here. And Dr. Fulton, we'd be glad to sign anything that says you are here in attendance. You get his signature. So come on up afterwards. Thank you for being here. With that, uh, we have a motion to uh, seek our next item addressed in executive session. Um, I move we recess into executive session pursuant to the coma exception relating to private matters impacting a student, specifically consideration of appeal of student suspension E19-2. Thank oh, you. And we will not be reconvening afterwards. Oh, we Actually, will? Actually, we will to we vote. Will? I was sorry. Oh, okay. I said the wrong thing. All right, yes, so we, we will, will be reconvening at afterwards. Uh, 30 minutes. Okay, so 7.50. Right. 7.50. Second. Thank you. And thank you for the second, Mrs. Mack. Any questions? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. That's it for the meeting tonight. Our next meeting is November 12th. Thank you for being here. Well, no further business. No further business after that. Oh, well, yeah, we have business. Yeah, we're not really <laughs> sure. uh, I'll turn to a fellow board member for a motion. I would move. Um, that we uphold the expulsion committee's recommendation with the amendment of some alternative education for the remainder of this school year. I second. Thank you. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Any other items? We are adjourned. <laughs>